the great Marco Miniman. There he is. Hey, good morning. Hey. <laughs> good morning. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm great. It's actually yeah. It's all. It's just past your morning time. Thank you for doing this today, Marco. Oh no no absolutely. It's great to be uh, be back with you in one room at least virtually. <laughs> I know. I know. I know, man. We. Um, it's yeah. been a minute. I, I was thinking about this too. Um, I, I'm sorry it's been so I've been meaning to reach out to you to do this for some time and and uh anyway well, I it's here we are and it's great here to, we are uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To talk with you here fantastic yeah. <laughs> congratulations I know you just got off tour with the aristocrats yes that's, yeah that's yeah. going really well to maybe maybe talk about that for a minute like how how long the tour went and yeah. Well, it was very interesting because uh, we haven't been touring for two and a half years because of all the pandemic things that were going on, right? Yeah, terrible, yeah. obviously. And um, so coming back with a new album was fantastic because we did an orchestra album with the Primus Chamber Orchestra. And uh, the response was all around very, very positive, which obviously, you know, uh, found us very well. And so we started touring and... It is an interesting time, you know, because all bands went out to tour again. Yeah. So you never know what to expect. This is like, you know, basically overly crowded, uh, like, you know, for all bands it's like, you know, do we miss audience? Will we gain audience? And fortunately, the latter one happened, which, uh, yeah, was very humbling in the most positive way for us, you know, because all of a sudden all these people showed up when we sold more tickets than ever and sold oh, out man. almost the whole tour, which was uh, incredible. Like, you know, for us, uh, you know, pretty much fusion rock jazz instrumental trio. I remember like uh, about like 10 or 12 years ago, we started playing pretty much uh, capacity of like 150 people in the States. Yeah. Now it's like a capacity of almost a thousand people or more. So, so we're absolutely grateful. The tour went uh, astonishingly amazing and so we can't thank our fans enough and um yeah so that was our tour so it was also a lot of work obviously because we played around 50 gigs within three months <laughs> so and 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 this tour leg actually got us through uh well it, it started in the usa then we went to mexico back to the u.s then to canada back to the u.s then back to canada again <laughs> and back home to the u.s so we take and so it was like three months. Um, and then in uh, in a few months from now, like in next February, we're gonna go to Asia, we're gonna hit all those markets, then Southeast Asia, which is kind of India and things, and and then after that we go to Europe and some other countries. So it's gonna it's it's a whole world tour. And uh, so yeah, it has been incredibly well. The band I think sounds better than ever, and the vibes are better than ever between the three of us. I guess with the pandemic break, you know, we really realized or didn't realize at first how hungry we are you know or were to get back out and uh do what we love the most you know and yeah. that's basically making music for everyone <laughs> and, and your audience too i think you know also was hungry for it too obviously if you're you know you've grown it i, I was just going to comment marco you know when we used to go on those clinic tours together i always made sure we went in a straight line from yeah from Boston to LA or L, you know, but yes, no, <laughs> oh, yeah, these things are crazy. I remember, like, we we go way back, you know. See, with the aristocrats, we usually do the same thing. We kind of, you know, have that thing where we go from West Coast all all the way to East Coast, circle a little bit, and then come back. the 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 silliest run we just did was the very last week of the tour. 
where we actually went from Vancouver to Portland, no, to Seattle, then to Portland. And then we hit like California. But what we did there was we played actually Reading first, I think then Sacramento. From Sacramento, we went to Los Angeles and then from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Oh, it's so complete bullshit. But the (laughs) thing is, we couldn't, it was kind of one of those things where the booking agency couldn't kind of get an agreement with like two venues that we wanted to play that were booked at certain times. So it was a little, so we had to kind of circle around it, but we did it. We're here, we're alive and talking and having fun. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, (laughs) things happen. I know. I was going to say you're a road warrior. If anybody can Uh handle it, you can. And Uh so Marco, let me ask you when the, when I saw you at the baked potato and that would have been, maybe 10 years ago, I was still at Zildjian. I remember I was there in LA for something we were doing and you were playing that night at the baked potato. And we took this picture afterward. Oh my gosh. And was that the aristocrats, the the band that I saw that? I think it was, right? That was the beginning of the band maybe? That could be, hang on, when was that? Like 2011 or 12, maybe? Yes, that was the beginning of the band. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I remember crushed it. That's what I thought. And I was thinking today, like, does the band go back that far? And I guess it does, but yeah. I think it maybe you had just kind of formed the band at that time. Yeah, um, but that's yeah. I think you know, we just started in 2010 or 2011. That's right. Those were one of our okay. first shows we really did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I was, and that was, I just remember like, you know, the great thing about the baked potato is anywhere you sit in that club, you're a foot from yeah. the stage, basically. It's and clever. I think. Yeah, I think Don Lombardi might have been there that night too, and it yeah. was just incredible. Just yeah, 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 yeah. It, the baked potato—it's a legendary place, isn't it? We played there so many, so many notes. <laughs> it sure is. Well, I have to tell you, I mentioned this off camera that my my grandchildren are watching right now. My son has just messaged on Facebook, watching this live, that my granddaughter Fiona and my grandson Dylan are watching. Yeah. And I just—I have to say yeah. this earlier in the show than I anticipated, but. Howdy Tunes. I was going to ask you just to to talk about that. My son played me um, some of the music a few months ago. They were here visiting. And he's saying to me, he's a drummer too. And he's saying, Dad, check this out. Listen to this drummer. We weren't (laughs) sure, first of all, if it was a human or a machine. And then we decided, yeah, it is really a person, a drummer. And I said, whoever it is, you know, and then he has later since told me, it's you. (laughs) <laughs> that's true yeah um that was that came together actually pretty um well surprisingly i had no idea who these guys were and what that thing was all about um so they got in touch with me and um sent me like um a concept about this thing called megalodon like you know that that huge shark and this yeah. kind of thing it was an animated series and they showed me a video with it then later what they would do and all those things and i immediately thought that was really cool and then they sent the music and i really liked it and it has like this this is very metal, you know, but yeah, with all the facility yeah. in it. And oh my God, I loved it. So I kind of started working with them for, man, for, for a lot of songs. And, um, and they meanwhile, one by one, are getting released online and it gets like a lot of attention, which is really, really cool. So that was a complete surprise, you know, to me. And I had no idea what that is, who they were. And all of a sudden now there's like so much love coming, you know. Back <laughs> and it's very unusual too, you know, which I like. Yeah. It's it's incredible music. Anybody that hasn't heard it, I encourage you to check it out. And my son is just saying that his wife, my daughter-in-law, Keely, found it. Uh, found out it was you, actually. She she uh, texted me and said, they call me Pops. And they said, Pops, you got to talk to your friend Marco 
uh, <laughs> Howdy tunes and um, yeah. But it, uh, it, the music is incredible. So I wanted to ask you: when you yeah. recorded that, did you did you do it in live with the band, or did you do it remotely? Like, did you just? That was pretty much uh, during uh, during the pandemic here as well. I have my music studio here, and always yeah. my drums are mic'd up, and I can record whenever needed. And uh, so I did that here. You know, they sent me the tracks, and um, and I played to it, and uh, and then they kind of build on top of that, and so, so one one by one it came together. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how that usually kind of works. And it's the same when I did, um, for example, voiceovers for uh, a show called Metalocalypse, which is also like an animated show. Yeah. You know, that was the thing where I couldn't, where I didn't even see how the animation would go. But I already kind of spoke, you know, the dialogues, you know, together with Mike Patton, singer. So that was actually very cool. And um, well, that was just a voiceover then, you know, but this one, obviously, with the music, was almost similar because I didn't know really how it would look. You know, so it was just really concentrating about the song and then the rest would happen behind the scenes to then kind of later on when you kind of watch it, you go like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, man, I know. And, and, and like, hi to your grandkids, you know, hello, you know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they're, I, I hope you can meet them someday. They're, un they're yeah. both musicians. My son's a great drummer and, and he plays guitar and bass and both my grandkids play drums and my Fantastic. granddaughter plays piano and guitar. Yeah, it's. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> they have their dad's talent, not their grandfather's talent. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but well, thank you for for sharing that story because they they well, you know, it, you know, and the funny thing is too, like they they're so um, they listen to anything. That's the great thing about young kids is they'll you know they want to. I'm probably less open to listening to a lot of different music now that I'm an old man, you know. But ah, oh, come on. But, uh, <laughs> but they, I just love that they, you know. They're like, check this out, you know. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Really, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's very absolutely. Um, yeah. And I, I'm always curious about that because I, I had a feeling you did it remotely, and I, I wondered if how much of what you know the structure of the song you had to work with when you played it, like when you recorded it, like did you have a a pretty good frame of what it was going to be, or just just a a basic idea, um, and then. The songs came pretty arranged. Yes. No, no. That okay. was already kind of pretty much done. One of the guys who's also the animator makes the music actually as well, you know, and he kind of sends guitar tracks over. Yeah. And also like, you know, the voices, you know, which is like so funny because when you don't see the animation with it and you hear like, you know, uh, <laughs> the vocals for it, you think like, hang on, is this actually serious or kind of funny? And it's like, oh, it's an animated kind of thing, you know, because it sounded first like cheesy metal, you know, when you don't, when you don't see the videos with it, and he has like a shark voice, you know, to it. And so then you go, what? I was like, Oh, there we go. So, and, and <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really cool stuff. You know? Yeah. It's really cool. You've always done really cool stuff. Always done like interesting, different, little bit of a left turn from the regular kind of stuff, you know, and all the time I've known you like, yeah, yeah. You've, you've always had a different, I remember us, I'd be with you on a clinic tour and the, and you'd play to this music that um, sometimes it'd be music that you composed or just yeah. some other really like yeah. techno, really cool stuff that. Yeah. Was, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I was always drawn in my life to things that sounded unique, you know, mm -hmm. that sounded like, you know, something that I haven't heard before. And, and I was always drawn to these things. And always when I write music, I kind of have pretty much the same concept. I always go for something that is in my head rather than using a template, you know, for something. And, uh, and yeah, you know, that's 
I guess it's what brings me joy. And I think it's the same how I develop my musical skills, you know, like always playing something that I heard inside of my head and wanted to realize rather than listen to somebody else, you know, which obviously is fantastic. You know, I love listening to other bands when they're great and musicians, but, but I, yeah, you know, my, my concept itself is like coming up with something rather than copying, you know, so yeah, I love yeah. it, you know, because it makes you, there is a, there's a great feel about it. If you create something that wasn't there, you know, that was just inside of your head, it's a bigger feeling than money or something, you know, and, and nobody can buy you this, you know, that's, you have to come up yourself with that. And so to me, that is like the, the fuel that drives a musical engine set. So, yeah. I guess. That's great. Absolutely. No, I, I, I totally get that. And I want to read just a couple of quick comments. Um, Darren Dentremont says, Marco, great work on Chris Buck's last album. Okay. Yeah. And Dan Garza lives right down the street from the baked potato. What do you know? Okay. <laughs> no way. See, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Reading some of these comments. Um, so, I, so that leads me. So I was going to ask you this earlier anyway, and I think you just can to, to all of you guys write in the aristocrats, like all three of you guys contribute yeah. to music. Yeah. The aristocrats is pretty much a band that is um, everybody has like an equal share and say in the band and our concept it, and it, it's kind of weird. It's just established that way is that every album has nine songs and each of us write three songs for the, for the band. Yeah. And these songs, we also, each of us individually produce them. So there is never really, you know, a thing where we, from the get go had like a, a difficulty who's getting more songs, who's getting more producing rights or whatnot. No, it's all fully equal. <laughs> it's obviously nobody would mind if one of us would get four songs or something like sure. that in life you know we have like that too but the concept is really yeah we are three writers and, and players and uh yeah. yeah that's that's how the aristocrats always rolled and it seems to create a healthy and, and a fun environment yeah that's great and and it sounds like yeah i mean like everybody has respect for each other so yeah. it's not like somebody's gonna say we should do four of my songs because one of your three isn't good enough or, you know, the yes, things that, that rock bands fall into, you know oh, what I mean? Oh my gosh, Fleetwood yeah, Mac. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember like bands, you know, like the police or something, they had yeah, like a yeah. falling outs about shit like this, right? You oh know? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was, yeah. And I said, I said Fleetwood Mac too. I know that's like a, a negotiation oh, of like how many yeah. Stevie's and Lindsay's and, and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, like oh my songs, God, right? right? At the end of the day, everybody made money and should be happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's and the, the end result is like putting out a great record, you know, that 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 represents true. what you guys are. You know, yeah. that's that's, the that's really the core of it. The quality of the music and 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 the product that you put out in the universe is always the most important. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hope you guys come out this way. Uh, I don't know if if you did on the last run, but um, I hope. Oh, with the aristocrats. Yeah. Well, yeah, we went, you know, all the way, like I said, uh, first of all, we started in uh, in the USA, then Canada, back to the US, then uh, Canada again, back to the US, then back to Canada, and then all the way down, like I said earlier, it was so funny that that last run, I never, I, I will never forget this. I can't believe we just literally played when we entered actually from Portland to, it was, it was first of all, it was Sacramento, then Reading then Los Angeles, then back to San Francisco, which is ridiculous. But yes, we've been to your neck of the woods. You're close to Boston, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, we did play that. It was a good show. It was a, good. It was a okay. yeah. So, man, it's it's very, make, uh, yeah. yeah, no, no. It, I'll it's make good. the next one. 
Please do. Please do. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll come back, you know, soon. We got a new studio album in the making. Great. Great. So, so that's going to come out actually in uh, mid next year. You know how that works. Like writing sessions, then you record it. And then you have like about half a year of production time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing you. And again, I know I'm going back some time, but I remember you calling me and you were coming to Boston to play with the band UK, Eddie Jobson's band. That's correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was maybe 10 years ago. Um, yeah, that's right. And, and Eddie. That was an amazing oh, wow. band. And that was amazing to see you play in that, you know, yeah, you know you. I think of, yeah, I think of Terry and Bill Bruford and yeah. just the, the guys that have sat in that chair and yeah, did him proud. Yeah, that was cool. I remember um, you were at the Boston show there, right? Were yeah, you? yep. Yeah. At the Vienna show, I think, you know, that's where we played. Um, it's uh, interesting because I played with Eddie for quite some years. And for him, it was like a big deal because uh, uh, he hasn't, by that time, he has been off the road and off the grid a little bit for almost about like 20 or 30 years. Wow. So for him, basically coming back, it was um, nerve wracking and beautiful at the same time because, you know, he didn't know whether he has an audience, if they're like, you know, all still into that kind of stuff. And so we wrote actually a bunch of uh, new songs actually as well, which got released under um, UKZ. And uh, so we, we played those, that, that material as well. And overall the tour has been actually doing very well. And uh, we played many markets. We went also to, to Japan multiple times and, you know, and to Europe and uh, all these things, but yeah, that's right. You were there at that show. That's true. That's yeah. also now, meanwhile, uh, of uh, 10 years of, I, I think so yeah I know unbelievable I, you know how how time sometimes flies isn't it you know you think like oh yeah that's <laughs> yesterday remember when we started touring you know that felt like yesterday you know? I know yeah I, I, I've, I've been thinking so much about that just how much fun we had and oh totally think, yeah it was almost yeah. 20 years ago 2004 right right at this time Marco we were on tour in September that's like right. almost almost the whole month like two or three weeks out of the month of September that is absolutely correct. I remember that, you know, and so by that time I was still living in Germany. That was just right two years before I moved to the States. And I remember like we were drinking Newcastle beers. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 meanwhile, I have to say, now, meanwhile, I have to say uh, the United States have come a long way with beer production. Now you guys have all these fine microbreweries and yes. beers better and better and better. Finally. <laughs> but still, <laughs> when I see Newcastle on draft, I always think of you and our time together. And then, I, and then I'll have one, you know, to honor our... <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I do too. I swear, whenever I see that, whenever I see it on draft, I have to have it. Yeah, and me I, too. And just yeah, I do. Commemorate. Commemorate. And I think about you. And I just remember we, we started like trying to find places to have dinner after the after the shows that had new cat do you have newcastle on draft no we'll go somewhere else you know but, but uh, funny <laughs> oh my gosh i know we had that was i know the irony of it the beer is, is not even that great <laughs> it's not even that great i know especially like you say compared to like some of the stuff that's out there now it's, it's yeah it's yeah it shows you what i was used to drinking in those days for beer you know i was that's right i love it, it. it's like so we made a thing out of it and enjoyed it. Absolutely. It yeah. Fun. You have to have it on draft in the bottle. It's not. Exactly. It's, Newcastle's on draft works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go, man. Oh, man. The, but those were fun. And, you know, I remember the year really well. And and um, you might remember this when I tell you, but because you were, you, I think we're sort of scratching your head at how obsessed I was. But 
our baseball team, the Boston Red Sox. Oh, that's right. We're yes. like leading up to the World Series and, and everywhere we'd go, I'd try to catch some of the game somewhere. And that's I remember right. we had we had a couple of days off in San Francisco and I spent like a, like a half of a day in the lounge of the hotel watching the game. True. <laughs> and you're out like walking around. It's a beautiful, you're, you come back and find me and you're like, you're yeah. still here? I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm watching this baseball game. That's true. That's true. I know. Uh, I know. Many, many great memories. One of, one of my favorite ones uh, was when we played uh, somewhere in Mexico, an outdoor festival. Remember that one? And it was yes. so hot. And it was like, you know, the sun was shining and it was there were many people there. But we literally had to cut the clinic, I think, short or kind of, you know, or keep it kind of short because of the danger of heat stroke. Remember that one? Yes. And so, but and it was a good clinic. It was fun. Everybody appreciated it. But you, when we stopped, I remember that was the, one of the funniest moments. We walked outside and there were all these fans and I signed all kinds of things and people wanted me to sign their shirts and whatnot. And there was this one older gentleman walking by with a really expensive white hat. And he just walked, he just happened to walk by. And I thought he was one of the guys and I was ready with, <laughs> with the Sharpie. <laughs> Who signed his hat? <laughs> I almost did. I almost did. And, then, and then he looks over and he goes like, oh, and I was like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I remember that vividly. Yeah. Oh yeah. That I that might have been the clinic. I remember we ended up after one of them at a yeah. restaurant like on the water. Yes. And, it, and we were we were eating this delicious fresh fish and it was so hot. And I just remember we were drinking beer of course yeah, yeah. modello like it was water i just we were just it was like the, we were sweating as we were eating right. it was so hot yeah yeah that's um, true but yeah, we were, yeah we had a, remember like there was this thing in mexico city and we played uh that drum fest yes and there was there was a really magic moment which i really liked and we had no idea so we were actually on our way to the hotel checking in and we just shared a greg bisonette story We were like, hey, blah, 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 talking about Greg because, you know, because I, I did a few things with him and, and you worked with him and stuff. And yeah. then all of a sudden, we walked into the lobby and there's Greg Bizonetta. That's <laughs> right. I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. We were like, you? We were just talking about you. <laughs> right. He was there too. I, that's right. Yeah. He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Man. Well, I, yeah. I, won't, I won't tell any, like, any secret road stories, but... I oh, just do. Okay. I do remember. I, I we were in Mexico City, and I was, and we had to get up early the next day to go somewhere else. Yeah. And I said to you, "Yeah, don't go out with our sales rep because he'll keep you out late." Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go out for like a just a drink, just a beer. I'm just gonna go out for oh, a little. Oh yeah, yeah. It ended up in a lot of fun and uh, <laughs> a lot of um, uh, uh, beers. Uh, beers were flowing. There were like many. There was good company. <laughs> I just, Not for you. You're, you're like totally. But I was single, and I was uh, doing. Uh, I enjoyed myself there. I remember that very well. <laughs> I remember the next morning when I when I met you in the hotel lobby. I said you, you went out with with our friend last night, didn't you? And you're yeah. like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, funny. No, funny stuff, man. Yeah, um, man <laughs> that's all we'll say. But I was gonna I was gonna ask you, Marco. Um, You know, I know you started playing when you were really young. Yeah. Like four or five years old. Yeah, possibly around. Well, I started first playing organ, you know, like uh, a two manual organ with foot bass. 
I was by that time, yeah, around like yeah. five or six-ish. And um, and then I picked up guitar and drums a little bit later, like with eight or nine years old. Um, yeah, yeah. But the music was always a core in our house. And still my, my parents are huge music enthusiasts. So without them, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be playing music. Well, I don't know, maybe I would, maybe I would my find would have found my way differently into the whole thing. But my parents were really the ones, you know, um, playing me all those cool albums from Queen and by Queen and Led Zeppelin and Jethro Tull and then, you know, other bands as well. And I had a, at a very young age really developed a deep um, um, love for music, you know, and that yes, it, it yeah. became a thing. Yeah. And the, uh, that's what I was going to ask you. So like those early influences for you as for, for drums were like, Led Zeppelin, John Bonham, and and Jethro Tull, yeah, Clive Bunker, well, I, and yeah, Clive Bunker, and Barrymore, Barrymore Barlow, like, Barlow, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, they're all great, you know, but I, the, the first time I was introduced to Tull was with Barrymore Barlow, and then also my dear friend, uh, and I know Barry, uh, and he's a great guy, but also my dear friend Don Perry, yes, of course, who is, yeah, who is literally almost like a father figure to me, you know, because he is one of the reasons why I'm why i live here right now he literally is he opened my bank account for me like he's he, we are that close with my family and him oh. because we started to develop this deep friendship around the late 90s already mm -hmm. um he heard an album of mine and uh and he loved it and he was like you know uh, putting so much nice words out to the public and talking about me and kind of, and and that was so nice of of them and so me and the tall guys in general we we became fairly close you know so it's interesting how that sometimes comes full circle my father being like this huge Jethro Tull fan and then me years later finally introducing him to the guys from Tull and he felt it's for for, for him obviously a big deal and it that makes me even more happy it multiplies the joy you know by, yes you know that's that's that what a great story I didn't realize you and Doan were that close I've, I've known oh, yeah. Doan yeah like 35 almost 40 40 years close to that yeah and he's what an amazing human, just salt of the earth. Great guy. He just came uh, last week. He was uh, at our Los Angeles show and, and, and loved it. So that was very cool. He came out. <laughs> uh, that's great. He's such a nice, nice guy. And um, yeah, I, and I, well, and so I was going to ask you kind of how far into, you know, listening to um, the influences that you had, like, like Barrymore Barlow, like where you started to really get into like your independence, like, you yeah. are, you know, you've gone and, and, and you've taken that to such a level, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And like, when did you kind of start to focus on, on all that four-way independence? I, the thing is, like, first of all, I didn't want to make it a challenge or something that is mind-blowing. And for some people it is, you know, I don't know if that should make me happy, but maybe if it's good for something that you can create musically, then yeah, it does make me happy. I never did it, you know, as a, Rubik's cube kind of, you know, mind yeah. fuck or something. Sorry, you know, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yes. I didn't. I, I didn't want that. You know, I just thought at some point about like combinations that I kind of, you know, had from stick control. You know, when I practiced those things, and I thought like, man, you know, the first twenty-four combinations that you get, like the stickings, just like what you can first of all do in one quarter note, like right, left, right, left, or actually in a bar, four, four, left, right, left, right, then right, left, left, right, 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 left, left, and so on and so forth the parallel groupings and all of that. And then you have like the right, 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 left, 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 left. And then you kind of, at some point, I started to think, well, how about I play these things against each other and see how that works? 
And it opened this door, you know, to a whole universe because I got all of a sudden so independent that I kind of free that I could kind of speak so many different languages of combinations and use them at the same time. Yeah. And some stuff sounded really beautiful, you know, so those paradiddle combinations when you play like an inverted paradiddle with the two hi-hats and then right. you play like, you know, a regular groove on top with the left hand and then like another combination uh, or another pattern on top with the right hand, which that one is one of my trademark patterns, so to speak, you know, but um, it is, um, it just feels musical to me. And so it also opened the door to kind of modify my drum set and kind of come up with remote hi-hats or the gong drum, which I placed over here as a kick drum replacement when I do other things with my footwork. Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, and that's how that really started. Um, and um, I want to make obviously, or not obviously, well, I want to make clear that people know that this is not only my thing, you know, obviously, you know, because I play like all these productions, this is, a part of my uh, repertoire that I that I feature in drum solos or write songs right. around. Yeah. Um, but it is, I think, you know, a good vehicle to broaden your spectrum and alphabet of the drum language. And, and so that's why I really did it. I first did it really for, <laughs> for myself to kind of go like, okay, hey, I want to kind of know how this works and when i kind of started playing it i remember the first time at the modern drummer fest people were completely freaking out and were like oh my god what the hell is this and i was like wow that's actually very cool and uh and all of a sudden people asked me like warner brothers for example you know to release a book with it and do dvds of it and stuff so i was like yeah sure and i guess the rest is history it, it became a thing and it hopefully really taught many players and uh or inspired you know uh players and and that to me is uh is a wonderful thing that i can be looking back and kind of see like look i'm part of some sort of development in the music industry and so that makes me very happy and very proud and when i received like the telly award for it which is almost like this grammy looking this, this grammy statue kind of thing for yeah. my musical services also for the interest industry you look First of all, I thought like, ah, oh, yeah, it's cool, but, and it doesn't really, shouldn't really matter. No, I just want to develop. But when I kind of look back, you know, at it, I can, I am actually kind of proud of and think like, look, you know, that's actually kind of what I did. And, um, and you leave something behind in the universe, you know, that inspired hopefully other people, you know, and, and, and so, yeah, so there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that, you mentioned the, yeah, you mentioned the Modern Drummer Festival. That was the first time I'd seen you play. And oh, yeah. I was trying to remember the year. It was before I we knew each other, but 98? Yeah. 98, 98, yeah. 98 yeah. that's what I thought. And yeah. and I was trying to, um, I, what I remember of this, and I, I've told you this story, but I don't know if you remember, but um, yeah. I remember walking in at that old, at the old venue that MD used to have it at, at the college there. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, the big backstage area. And I remember putting my jacket in a room or something in a room that ended up being your dressing room. And I went in, I think it was after you'd played, I went in to get yeah. something and you were in there kind of like drying off yeah. and, you got, and you went, hello. And I went, Oh my uh -huh. gosh. And I, and I was like, sorry, I'm just here to get my jacket or something. Yeah. I said, man, you were amazing. And, oh, thank you uh -huh. very much. But, but I remember your English at that time wasn't what it is now. Yeah, um, yeah. You're still, you know, your English, English was getting better and better, but, but I just remember everybody, that's all we talked about. Like all the drum 
sponsors that were there that day were just like, oh my God, this guy is amazing. You know, it's, oh. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, cause it, and you know, you had, um, just what you said, it was, it was a part of your repertoire because you, you had all this other, this other vocabulary there, you know, yeah. drumming vocabulary. And, um, and I just thought the way you used it was really, it was, it was like, I don't want to say entertaining, but it, but it was, it was just like, it, it made it fun. And I think it made people want to be more adventurous in the way they approach yeah. the drums. Well, thank you for saying that. First of all, you know, I mean, the thing is, I always try to, uh, when making music, you know, it happens actually almost not even almost, it happens naturally that I want to form a bond between the audience and the music or yeah. myself yeah. or the band with the aristocrats again are like a very, very good example, I guess, because we never take ourselves too serious. I mean, we want to play as good as we can, but we never want to kind of come off aloof off of state of the stage, you know, like basically kind of going these things like, oh, we want to shock people or yeah. we're like awesome down here and you're just the audience down there, you know. So that that was never the goal. We always wanted to involve the audience and see if we can reach them and, and we involve them by having them sing along with us. Or we have like, you know, I picked up these squeaky toys, like, you know, that we use with the aristocrats and people enjoy that so much. And so it makes the music look like a little more fun and not kind of, uh, how do you say, like um, uh, dangerous or kind of, you know, uh, difficult or something. That's the worst, you know, I think you can do yeah. if you want to try to be purposefully, purposefully difficult, you know, to mm -hmm. kind of make people be afraid of music. I think you want to make people want to enjoy music. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's And what you just said is I'll just, I don't mean to keep bringing my son into this, but he just yeah. made a note said, Super inspired, Marco. That five-minute solo on Instagram this week was spectacular. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I usually do when I warm up. So when I have a session coming up, then I kind of, you know, see if the cameras are all right. You know, sometimes I film those things. And, um, and, and then I kind of just warm up a little bit and get inspired, you know. And some of those solos uh, are maybe post-worthy. And that's what I do. And I think it's cool to show uh, that to the people, and I guess, you know, especially when you can do this at home, uh, a lot of stuff comes out of you that that wouldn't maybe if you have like, you know, a set film and filming and shoot and or live kind of session where you only have like one shot, literally. Mm -hmm. But at home, and especially if nobody is around, you can completely let go and on and off some, I believe some magic happens that is kind of worth composing on top of or sharing on Instagram. And and I'm glad, you know, that uh, meanwhile, you know, you can get feedback for that, you know, obviously, because 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been possible, you right. know. Exactly. So now you can do this and can show it to the world. And and if there's good response, that it, that means that you're doing something that touches people. And I guess that's it, it's worth building on top of these things. So thank you very much for saying that. I'll try oh, my that's, best. That's great. <laughs> and, and as you say, too, I mean, and all these things are, are part of like... Um, you know, getting your music out there too, for, for just not just yourself, but the band and just how, yeah. how you reach people. So it's, yeah. and it, and it, I, I agree, you know, I'll, I'll just say from knowing you and all the drummers that I've worked with, you know, the ones I, I'd say, I'd say everybody tries to inspire people, but um, it's, it's what you said is perfect. I, when you, when, when you try to make music that is just so overly complicated that it makes people yeah. want to go, I quit. Yeah, it's kind of like the antithesis of what we're all trying to do. We're trying to inspire people to to play music and to yeah. enrich yeah. their lives with it. You know, it's 
it, it, there's a difference between shocking people or kind of you know making people happy with music. Yes, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Obviously, I do like facility as well, you know. And sometimes, if you have a drum solo, or you know, and you, yeah, you should show some fireworks here and there, right? Yeah. But I think always for the entertaining purpose and for the beauty of music, you know, and, you know, and what you said is exactly my thinking as well. It's like some people that always go like, oh, my God, you know, now I quit. Now I got to sell my yeah. equipment. It shouldn't be that way either or, you know, I think. And I remember with me and my dear friend, Don, who we just talked about, Don Perry, years ago had like the discussion about exactly that uh, technicality versus musicality and how to use it correctly. And um, and the way we both grow, grow up, you know, because I remember. Somebody came after the show, then, and, and this line that you sometimes hear and go like, "Oh, I'm gonna sell my drum set or something," mm -hmm. you know, it's like, "Oh, oh no," or when people go like, "Oh, I can't do that" or something like that, you know, that to me was always like a no-go zone. And the same for Don. I said like, I never said even when I was like in, you know, in my teenage years, I never said like, "Oh, I could never do that" when I started playing drums. Because if there was something, but that by that time I couldn't do, then I wanted to learn it. Yeah. But also I had the drive to learn it, but then make something else out of it as well, or incorporate some other kind of thing, yeah. so that it becomes a unique pattern. And I guess you know that's really the right the right way the way forward. You know, to kind of you know accept what's in the universe, embrace it, learn it, and then built with it right you know and yeah. speak a language with it you know that's what's really what, what music is you know absolutely sorry for, sorry for the deep here, but no, <laughs> no that's great man i i appreciate you going so deep like that i you know just from my small vantage point i remember as a kid you know i'm old enough to remember like seeing buddy rich on tv late at wow. night on the, on the johnny carson show you know it was like a big yeah, deal yeah. and and uh and you know in those days seeing buddy rich was like there was nothing like that in the world in the crazy. way of drums, you know? Yeah. Just amazing. And I always felt inspired. I always, I mean, I knew I couldn't sit down and play that, but it didn't make me not want to play. It made me, it, like you said, it made me want to at least practice more and try yeah. to develop that speed and try to get my single strokes as fast as that or uh -huh. um, syncopation or something, but it, ne it never had. Yeah. Yeah. And, and seeing you and all the great drummers that I've had mm -hmm. the honor of being with and watching, you know, up close, it, I always left inspired. I never felt like, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm going to, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I don't yeah. understand that. I guess I just don't understand. Yeah. Um, I mean, that. it's, I know what people mean. They want to make it a compliment or something. They want to give yeah. you most of the time, you know, yeah. but, but it should not scare people. It should inspire people. And I, yeah. I, I like that thought, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you, I asked you about the, I wanted to ask you about, you know, how you started to develop your independence. Do you, do you play every day? Do you make it a point to sit down for some amount of time, even a little while every day to just get loose or? Oh, honestly, no. Um, no, actually I don't really play every day. And um, well, actually look, yes and no, let's put it that way. When I just come off the road yeah. now with 50 gigs in a row, and pretty much playing your ass off every night, you know, yeah, and then giving yeah. giving it all the best you can. Then, yeah, when I get back home, I do not want to see my drums for at least for a week almost, right? <laughs> so that, that kind of thing. On the other hand, now I'm lying to you because now the first thing I did once I got home, 
I already recorded actually for a song that I composed. I did that. <laughs> then I joined in already three or four jam sessions. So actually, you know what, Johnny, you're right. You're right. Actually, I do play every day. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I played as well. Okay, shit. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So there's actually always like brushing my teeth or riding my bicycle or something like that. There is a moment when I just sit behind my drums and 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 do something. But um already for for many years now, I I just really use the drums to compose music, you know, like I, I rarely really kind of sit down and, and, and go like, okay, today I'm going to develop this and that. It happens meanwhile, automatically you speak the language and I kind of improvise. And that's what you see sometimes uh, mm -hmm. when your uh, son said he saw the clip online, which is mm -hmm. uh, thank you very much, which uh, a lot of people found inspiring, I guess, you know, or liked then, um, then this is what's coming out of me. And if I find something, that I think is worth building on, then I kind of use that theme and refine it. You know, that to me is, is practice. Meanwhile, I'm, I'm, I'm not kind of sitting down and go like, today I'm going to accomplish this. Nope, that's not how that works for me. It's like, I'm going to play. Oh, I like this theme. Now let's see what, what I can do. And then I refine it and, and practice for it, you know, to make it maybe sound good in a solo or something or in a song. That to me is really more what practicing is all about right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought so. Yeah, I, I I didn't think that you. I I assumed you were past a point where you, like, are sitting down for hours at a time, like working on stuff that you probably worked out a long time ago, and you you it's muscle memory now, and now you're creating. You're it's more about creating. Well, we know how it is, isn't it? It's like speaking a language. Composing. You know, I always say yeah. that. It's like, you know, you don't wake up in the morning every every day and say like, good morning, by the way, there are two O's in the word good. You don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't think about that anymore. Yeah. And yeah. music should be the same way. Uh, people should not confuse it. Once you can freely play, then hey, there you go. That's what you have. You can now speak that language and then maybe learn a different language or incorporate words that you didn't know before. You know that to me right. is uh, is being creative. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and when when you and when you sit down to do that, do you when you start to feel like an idea forming, like if you've come up with something that you yeah. think could become, do you put on the recorder then, or do you just record yeah. right pretty much everything you do and then have no. it as a reference? No. When I when I feel inspired, when I kind of you know play something and I think, oh, this sounds good. This is going somewhere, and I'm feeling in the zone. Then yeah, then I'll just you know press the cameras which i have ready there yeah and then yeah. i'll record it and sometimes it's a bunch of shit <laughs> and, sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes you know you know it is it's yeah. not that i'm sitting there kind of you know every day you know kind of you know playing something that i would post you know that it's this is not how the world works you know i think you know and and so sometimes i i, I play something and i go like eh that was bollocks and sometimes I play something and it was, and it seemed to have a certain magic to it. And I, and I look at it and I go like, Hey, I post this. This is kind of cool. Maybe, you know, yeah. yeah. let's see how the response is. That was like, you know, what you see sometimes when I post some of these solos and I won't do this every day, but maybe once a week or something, you know, and uh, don't, I don't want to give too much away all the time, you know, because yeah, yeah, otherwise, exactly. you know, but, um, but this is to me how it works, you know, and I think that's a healthy environment. Um, it's the same way when we play live, for example, during our aristocrats show, we, <laughs> there are hardly uh, maybe one in 12 gigs where the three of us walk off stage and go like, yep, 
there was a great show. There's always someone who had like maybe not such a good time. doesn't mean that they're disappointed, but I was like, mm, you know, that was... So usually it's like, you know, two of us have a good show, one of us not so much. Or, you know, or even two of us had a bad show and one was happy or something. You know, the, these things happen. So one out of 12 gigs, maybe all the three of us come off stage, inspired and go like, that was a great gig. But I tell you what, I think that's a good thing. Imagine you, <laughs> the world isn't perfect anyways, right? Nothing right. is perfect. It shouldn't be. What is what is perfect anyhow? So the thing is, if you would release the perfect album or that you consider the perfect album, well, where do you go from there? Then it's time for you to stop. I do like little imperfections here and there mm -hmm. because you can always do better. It shows you that you can, you know, build yeah. on things or kind of go in certain directions or refine something. Isn't that beautiful? So to me, um, anything that is like a little bit of sloppiness here and there, something is like, like, yeah, well, that happens. Next time we'll do it differently. So I'm not afraid of the of, of these things. I'm not afraid of a little bit of dirt. You know what I mean? That's great. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so I think that's so yeah. inspirational for like all us humans out there. You know what I mean? That see you guys playing this incredible music that's probably to the audience sounds perfect every night, you know, but, oh, but so many mistakes, but, <laughs> yeah, no, but, but even for me, you know, in my little rock band that I play in, you know, like nights that, that I, what you just said is so perfect. I think it relates to like musicians and bands of all stripes. Like yeah. it's very rare that everybody walks off at the end of the night and says we were, this is like perfect, you know, but yeah. like if, if like, two out of three or three out of four people played great and everybody liked it, then yeah. you've done your job, you know? And yeah. 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 And it's, it's every, you're human. Absolutely. I would, I would like to hear your band. You got to send me a link then. I, I, I will. I will. I just, just, uh, you know, uh, yeah. be gentle. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> oh yeah. That's by the way, another thing, isn't it? You know, when you post things, meanwhile, it's such a strange thing. What social media really provides you post something and you have like, let's say two or 300 really good comments, but then mostly there will be one person or somebody who has something to say, maybe had a bad day and they feel entitled to, you know, uh, yeah. basically say mean things or kind of judge or whatnot, you know, just because they can, you know? So that's what I always say to musicians, especially, um, um, upcoming young musicians, you know, who want to have a career. I remember like, they're like, so, afraid sometimes of social media of being bullied or something like that right you know that happens more like in the next generations you know more than ever because meanwhile everybody can just log on and kind of you know uh say if they don't like their haircut or their nose or the music in general or whatnot you know and you have to kind of grow a little bit of a thick skin I always tell the people it's like look if 90 percent of the of your followers like it you know or most of them your success you know it's like obviously yeah you can't ignore the bad comments you know when you like the good comments but you know if you know where your heart is and if you know that your friends and followers like it then you're doing something right there will be always someone and it's especially kind of a message you know to all, all those players you know the young players they get so afraid and upset when when some people come at them you know like do your thing do what you love and, and, and if, if you think the quality you put out is good and your heart is in it and your mind and your soul and then your, your friends and your followers like it, then that gives you the right to continue. You know, don't let, you know, social media get you down or you don't, don't yeah. be bullied in the music world. Be inspired and play, you know. That's great advice. You're right. You're right. And, and that's, you know, and we, we know that 
when you see those types of comments, they're coming from people that probably are, it's, it's out of envy or whatever yeah. it might be. And oh, yeah, yeah. You know, having a bad day or something that happened, you know, or whatnot, you know, so that, that, that stuff, you know, yeah. Hey, can't please everyone. That's right. That's <laughs> but right. that's- so, so, so right now you're, um, the aristocrats are, you're off the road, but you guys are going to start working on a new record. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we have already songs written for our new, uh, for our next studio album. We already played two of the new songs on our tour and they were received very well. Great. So, uh, yeah, so that's coming out. Um, yeah, we're going to record in January and um, going to release the album probably by June and then have it fresh for our uh, European run. And, uh, and, then we'll, and then we'll be back in the States with that album as well. Fantastic. And so when you guys go in to record, you'll do it, you know, kind of for lack of a better word, the old fashioned way you'll go into the studio and. Totally. And that's good that you brought and, up. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, a lot of times I really like working remotely, you know, because I love composing and I get my sounds here at home that I like and uh, mm. we send things around and then you kind of, you know, have a product back or, you know, like an, an album. Let's put it that way. Product sounds so. Uh, uh, how do you say, like, so disposable? Now we want us to be done. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, with the aristocrats, we have the certain chemistry when we play live, and we always want to preserve that uh, also in the studio. So what we do is, like, we meet in the studio, we play, we rehearse the songs before, like, a week or two, or even do, like, a few shows where we kind of mm-hmm. take the songs on the road, and then we'll record them. And um, it, it kind of it kind of did as well, and uh, that concept worked for us. And so I guess we'll continue it that way, you know. So, but we yes, we are one of those old school bands who then books a studio, great lives yeah. around there, and then goes out for dinners together and Newcastles and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and onion burgers, and then <laughs> we won't tell that story, won't we? So there we go. <laughs> And then uh, <laughs> you better not. <laughs> better not, right? <laughs> oh man. So so when you when you go into the studio, will will all the songs be pretty much formed, you know, like pretty much done, or you'll you're still kind of writing yeah. them and changing as you as you no. go? Or the songs will be done, you know. So what yeah. we really do is with that band, each of us writes the complete song, like the complete arrangement. Yeah. Everything is completely set. We learn them then at home uh for each other and then with each other and then play them and record so there is not much really left to chance you know where we go like eh, let's kind of you know last minute change something up so that one we had from the get-go that we come with complete works into into the studio and then execute them there is no no gray area or something where we go like all right you know let's kind of play that a few times Mm, how about we change that part no we don't do that strange right but it works well no it's, it's i think it's i think it's very um it's like very organized. It's very productive. I'm sure you can be really productive, especially when you're paying for studio time. You can go in and and yeah. get it done, which I, I think is smart. You know, I think you have to be that way nowadays too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think so. It's studio time. Yeah, that's the thing. And then, you know, so you want to kind of be efficient. And I think it's good to know what kind of sound you're looking for and what kind of how the song is supposed to sound. That's, I think, a big thing that I can only advice you know to younger players actually as well it's you know having already the sound inside of your head of how you want your song to sound is pretty much 99 percent 
of what the vision is supposed to be and then go in and get that sound instead of kind of letting your mind detour into other kind of things, you know, like look inside of your head and go like, hang on, I know exactly how the song is supposed to sound. Chase after that sound and don't get distracted. That's that's a, that's a big thing, you know? That's that's huge advice, yeah. yeah. And, and my last question about that is, do you guys produce these records? Do you, like, will you produce your three tracks and, and the other guys will produce their tracks? Or yes. do you have a produce? You do. And yeah. do you engineer it yourself or do you have a, an engineer? No, no. That's where we like to kind of uh, give things away. See, for my solo albums, yeah, those I engineer and mix myself. But for the trio, when we do that, that's the one thing where I think it's healthy to give control away a little bit, you mm -hmm. know, to go like, look, okay, yes, we produce each other's songs as well. And then uh, we say exactly what we want and record them, but we do have a sound and recording engineer with us so that we kind of don't get distracted while working with the yeah. three people. Yeah. During the mix down, that's a different thing, but we deliver already, like I said, the sounds that we hear inside of our head pretty much on tape or computer or anywhere the way we already hear it so that's maybe another advice that might be useful for some getting the sounds already onto the recording the way you hear them inside of your head once again so that you don't have to fix things in the mix that's not how that works mm -hmm. most of the time right. like i remember like um recording engineers well i worked with joe Setriani, john cuniberti you know we had like uh uh some cool discussions about that about mixing and mastering and, and signals and stuff like that and and he also he also said to me he goes like see um because i asked him how he works and what signals he usually uses and stuff and he goes like well you know the one thing especially about mastering is like don't try to make it something that it can't be and that is exactly the thing you know for recordings to me as well like you can't record like, you know, a compromised kind of instrument and then kind of, you know, sit there for hours, try to make it sound bigger or better. If it can't provide it itself, then you have a compromise already going on. And so so basically what we do with the aristocrats, we try to get our signals as good as possible onto the recording. So that way, when you kind of hear the already the 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 tracks without even having any plugins or anything else on it you can mix them together and they sound already pretty good yeah yeah and yeah. the rest is fine tuning the rest is then okay here a little bit of this a little bit of spice there a little bit of that and then we have the sound but that's how we pretty much work you know we try to go in as uh prepared as possible let's put it that yeah that's a very professional approach yeah and and as you say too marco i mean the, the recording gear nowadays too allows you to get really yeah. great sounds um, yes. yeah. So, so you're, you're, like you say, you're ahead of the game when you have the right, you're not trying to, you know, uh, make a, a small box sound yeah. like something it doesn't want to sound like, and you're going to waste time in the studio yes. trying to do that, trying, trying to manipulate some sound. Yeah. It's really yeah. Especially in the studio, not only wasting time, but wasting money as well. Wasting you know? Money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. So that, that's something to think about always, you know, and, I got to say, I had to, for me, it was a long learning curve. <laughs> I've been playing for so many years now, and it took me so many years to find out what instruments I really want to have on my on my drums and kind of hearing what sound I really actually want because there were so many detours about like trying out 
little foot snare drums and this kind of cymbal sounds like trash and this cymbal sounds like this and blah, blah, blah. And it's cool. But at some point I was like, Marco, what are you doing? I kind of listened back to some of those recordings and I thought like, hang on, why am I detouring this? I kind of knew already what I wanted. Mm. And then I kind of, you know, just tried to kind of fuck around with things that I actually didn't even like. Yeah. And that, and that's when you kind of, I guess, experience is your best teacher. All of a sudden you get sort of a little bit defined about what you want. And you go yeah. like, hey, wait a minute, stop that session real quick. Hang on. Ah, I actually know exactly what I want. Just let it out of your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, you know what I mean? That comes yeah. sometimes with age, you know, a little bit. I think you're right. You know, you remind me a lot of Simon too. Simon Phillips has that same philosophy, I think, when he works too. I think he's very focused right out of the gate of like the sound. And he, like you say, he doesn't, um, and as you do, same as you, he doesn't get distracted by some other shiny object over here that he, you know, wants to fool with. Yeah, knowing what you want, right? That's the thing. And I have to say, Simon, look, Simon and I go back since, the early 90s, I think the first time I met him was 94 or something. And we are like, he's one of my best friends, Simon and I, we go way back. We recorded many times together. We even toured together. And um, and uh, I got to say, like watching him as an engineer, he in fact is uh, about to come down here to my studio and uh, check out my gear and stuff like that. I always listened to Simon, always since I was a kid. And he gave me so much love and compliments about my playing, which I find so nice, you know, and I, I love always you. Yeah. Compliment, yeah. Compl- compliments always back, obviously. Simon will, you know, is, is, is such a dear friend and su- he has such good ears. And so on the last Aristocrats album, I was using his uh, drum plinth, like those, those wooden pallets he uses to put like the drums on top. Yeah. And he helped me so much by going like, yeah, build up the drums, like uh, set it up like that. And then he drilled like, you know, uh, <laughs> Screws the uh, like your your stand's kind of all set here. Check this out. <laughs> I know, I know. He loves his drill gun. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I enjoyed it so much, you know. And um, so, so, but, but he's exactly one of those guys, you know. He he pretty much views his drum set as a piano almost. That's like the complete drum setup that he wants. And you just don't take parts of the keys out or something. You leave right. that all in. Like, because we had this, this re- he told me this really funny story about when he was uh, rehearsing once with ACDC. I don't know if you know that story. I don't know if I, I might've heard, but, but please tell it. Yeah, please tell it. It was so funny. And he said, uh, and, and, um, and, 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 and I said like, Hey man, I, you know, Paul Gilbert, dear friend of mine, you know, who I also worked with many for many years. He said like, Hey man, you know, like, you know, there's this ACDC story. I think, you know, he kind of, you know, rehearsed with ACDC or auditioned for them like years ago. And, and I was like, what? He was like, yeah, he told me that. So I kind of went next time I saw Simon was like, we had like a few margaritas and Mexican food. And he's so like, Paul told me you, you auditioned for ACDC. And he goes like, I totally did. I was like, how did that go? Like, ah, he goes, <laughs> they, when he went in, he says, like, I said, like, did you bring your whole drum set? And he starts laughing. I was like, of course I did. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I said, he goes, like, look, that's my drum set. He goes, it's like, and he, and he had like some funny, uh, uh, really funny um, um, <laughs> expressions. But he goes, like, well, it's like a piano. You just don't take like the middle keyboard section out, the one octave. And then, look, you know, I have like my hi hat is kind of clamped to the second kick drum. So if I would take the kick drum out, the hi hat would fall over. <laughs> 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 so I said, okay. 
I mean, we're, talk, we're talking about a band that doesn't even have a right symbol, right? right exactly. Or a tom-tom, you know. <laughs> really. So I said, like, I said, like, how how did it go? And he said, like, you know, he I think he came in and he said uh, they had a great vibe together. He flew in and uh, they hung and then the power went out. They had a power outage, so they couldn't play the first night. So they had just, you know, a hang and drank some beers and whatnot. And he says, like, oh, good vibe. This is going to be great. Well, the next day the power worked, and, <laughs> and he, he said, like, while he was even, they were not even playing. He was setting up the entire drum kit, and said, so, like, how did the guys react? And he said, like, oh, the bass player, like Cliff Williams and the singer Brian Johnson, oh, they loved it. They they were kind of like little kids. They said, like, whoa, look at this! Wow, look at that thing! Oh, what is that? Octobans? Oh, what is this? Oh. <laughs> And I said, and 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 I, but he said like, but the brothers, like you know, Malcolm and Angus, they were doing kind of the same comments, but in a different way. It was like, what do you need this for? And what do you need this for? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he, they looked at it like a Christmas tree, <laughs> and he said. It didn't really work the way they played. I mean, they all loved each other and stuff. But he said, like, he was at some point playing with for fun with one hand. Yeah, <laughs> and, it was, and it was still too much. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, the nickname we have for Simon's drum set, drum kit, is the USS Phillips, you know. Yeah, they are. Like, like a big ocean liner or... or um, That's yeah, I know, I know, man. Yeah. Uh, and I say this with all love, and he can laugh about it too, and everybody can, because obviously we all know that he sounded great, including the ACDC guys, but from the concept, obviously, yeah, with the USS Phillips. Yes, right? yes. No, I know. He's uh, talking about it, like a, a guy with, you know, dedication. It's just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I love Simon. You know, that's, uh, yeah, I shall, I shall meet him actually in a few weeks uh, again. He's he's coming down here, and then oh, so that's great. Fun. Have yeah. a great time. I was going to mention just before we go, and and I, I, thank you again for doing this. Um, I just I made a note because talking about your friends and your heroes, and I one of the one of my favorite memories was seeing you play at the Montreal Drum Fest with the BMW tour, the Bozio Miniman yes. Wackerman tour. That's Her, correct. Was, yeah. yeah, and and just talk if you could talk about that for a second, what that was like with two of your my biggest heroes and yeah. and, and friends oh, obviously and mine too yeah. because when i grew up when i was a kid those guys were playing you know with all those kind of uh with all those bands i always you know admired you know look i yeah. was like when yeah. terry and chad played i didn't even pick up the drums yet you know that's how long that goes back and all of a sudden right. being with those guys on the same stage is obviously phenomenal you know it's fantastic so and we're all like 10 years apart from each other, you know? So Terry right. is like 10 years older than Chad. Chad is 10 years older than, than me. And um, and connecting actually on that level and, uh, and, and, and playing was amazing. We did two tours, in fact, and uh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it was just, just, just wonderful. I, I never forget this one moment, especially where um, huh, uh, two, two core moments I really enjoyed was when Terry said, well, Chad and I would set each other up that we would see each other and, and could kind of do this in a triangle. And Terry was over there. Yeah. And Terry said yeah. this thing, I never forget. He says, um, 
yeah, you guys, you know, you, you have such solid time because you grew up with like playing to click tracks and all this kind of stuff. He goes like, my time sometimes moves a little bit, you know, because I grew up listening to Miles Davis in the 60s and stuff. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So it was literally, he even asked sometimes, you know, Chad and I to carry the pulse or to kind of be the timekeepers for, wow. for the three of us, which was a very interesting thing, you know. And obviously all of this is valid because I understand if people don't grow up with click tracks, it doesn't mean they have bad timing. Not at no, all. Terry no. great timing. Great. Timing. He has, he does. Yeah. yeah. But he, but yeah, he does move. Then sometimes when he feels like, okay, this part should speed up, then it speeds up. And this part sits back a little bit. And this is how that rolls, but that's also his pulse and the way, the way it feels. So, but there was like this one moment where uh, there was the other moment, which I really enjoyed where we were just kind of, it was Terry and I doing like a dual kind of thing. Like we were just kind of, you know, um, have having a little drum conversation there, right? You know, so he, you know, I would play some solo, he would do some solo back and forth a few times. And then actually, I was just totally in the zone and I, and I, and I closed my eyes, you know, and I thought like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And all of a sudden I heard like, you know, these, Chinas that he has, like the stack Chinas, where it goes like, and I just started laughing because, and I opened my eyes again because I thought like, ah, there he is. I said like, that is that is only Terry can sound like this. Yes. I look, so I look over to him. I started smiling, and Terry started smiling back and started laughing and goes like, but it was so weird because later on it was like almost like, hey, and then all of a sudden he said after the show he goes like, man. That was so cool. You when you started smiling at me, and I, I, I started smiling back. I usually never do this because I take myself always so serious. I make <laughs> serious faces, and all of a sudden, when you smile at me, I couldn't help but laughing. And and, the, and it was so um, uh, for the audiences. It kept us the audience. But all of a sudden, everybody started laughing because it was such a cool, mo- joyful moment on stage that we yeah. all all had fun. That was for me like one of the. Uh, two of those core moments, you know, are to- completely remembered. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. I, he is a he's a very intense guy, so I totally know what mm-hmm. he's saying about that. Like he's, you know, you don't see him smiling typically because he's just so concentrating yeah. and you know. Um, yes. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just remember like it was. I, I've seen a lot of these um, through the years of like you know two or three drummer type combinations, and Chad did yeah. a great thing with his two brothers with Brooks and and John that was really great. Uh, but that was so cool to see you guys play. And because um, yeah. you all have, I mean, you all like have similarities, but are are so different too in other ways. Completely, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and that's the, and the well, very well put. Yeah. It was made it so cool. And, and like I, in all yeah. your drum, like you guys, all your kits sounded different, but, but yeah. really blended well together when you played together. Yeah. Yeah. It was really I, cool. <laughs> another moment was thank you for for saying that another yeah, moment absolutely. was uh we you know how big terry's drum kit is oh, right yeah so uh i remember like the very first show and, and and chad brought a bigger drum set then as well with like two kick drums and all kinds of stuff and i have my stand-up drum kit which is there's a lot of stuff yeah, on it it's a lot of drums yeah it's a funny bit so uh so we were actually kind of um, setting up gear. And I remember like we all had texts and I was like, you know, the very first show, I thought like, oh, I'm going to give those guys a hand and kind of see what's going on. So I walked out and all the gear was sitting on stage, 
like just unpacked. It was so, <laughs> I kind of looked around. I didn't even know where to start. I just walked to the stage, went oh. like, uh, I'll come back later. <laughs> and gave it another hour before I dared my, even to look what's going on. And then during the, one of the shows, I think in Olympia, it was the front of house guy who was mixing the drum sets. He was kind of sound checking us separately. And then he goes like, okay, the guy with a smaller drum kit now. That was me. <laughs> that was smaller than Chad's, really? Yeah, wow. exactly. The oh guy with God. a smaller drum the kit. smaller drum kit, like yeah. Me, with like five toms, gong drum, kick drum, two <laughs> snare drums, and shitloads of cymbals. We had even three hi-hats and, you know, we set up. I was the guy, uh, the guy with the small drum kit. The then. smaller yeah. drum oh, kit, yeah. Harry and Chad showed up with so much stuff. That was so fucking funny. (laughs) I I will say this. I I didn't want to spend the whole time with us, like boring the audience about us reminiscing with all our fun stories. But I do remember on the the big clinic tour we did in 2004, we, I won't mention the dealer, but I will say it was the, it was in New Orleans and we showed up and it was the only place I remember we got there and the drums and the hardware were all in the boxes still. And, oh, and I yeah. just remember like, you know, the, you, I'd send the rider and I'd say, swap the heads because you play Evan's heads. And I'd say, you know, swap out the, the, yeah. the stock Remo heads, DW heads yeah. with Marco's Evan's heads. And, yeah. you know, and, and all the quote drum shops would always do that. They'd have a guy on it and you'd get there and, and you'd meet yeah. the guy at the shop that was excited to, you know, be the, the tech for the day. And like, you know, I'm, I worked on, I took a soft picture of Marco's drums and I think I got pretty close. And this particular store, I remember getting there. And you and I just looked at each other and we'd been flying all day and we were oh like tired and from yeah. like already being on the road for a week. And yeah. there's all the stuff like three hours before the clinic's going to start. Oh, in the boxes. Yeah. 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 That's uh, stuff. And that happens, huh? That's something, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think we probably had a couple of Newcastles afterward. To ease oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's always a good thing. We shall uh, we'll do that next time we kind of see yes. each other. I absolutely have a new castle on that one <laughs> i look forward to it and, and thank you so much marco for doing this today it's been so great to to see you and catch up man it's and congratulations yeah and on all the great things that are happening with you and 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 all the continued things you do with music inspirational it means a lot to me and it's it's good to hear you being alive and well and having like a great band together and 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 many new drum sets i see and all kinds of stuff going on yeah yeah you got more, well, got more gold and platinum records than i do man <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'm on all of these records too by the way as you know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh man well it. sit tight for one second marco I'll, I'll end the stream and we'll say goodbye to everybody but i want to thank everybody for tuning in today a big hand for marco miniman thank you my good <laughs> friend and uh Thank you so much for watching, everybody. We'll see you soon.